Hey guys, welcome to True Knows Talk. Jeff here. I don't know if y'all have heard of Anchor, but it's ran by Spotify now. And it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one app or on your desktop. Anchor has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone and computer. And really, I mean, when hosting on Anchor, you you mean you can distribute your podcast on many platforms. Spotify, Apple, I mean, there's just tons of them, more than I have time to really explain. But the best part about it, really, everything you need is in one place, and it's free. So, guys, go to your app store, download the Anchor FM app, or go online and just put it on your desktop if you got a laptop. Now, I know Chip and Hunter, just like I am, we're ready to kick this thing off. So, y'all can give us the countdown, and we'll see y'all when the show starts. I'm TNT I'm dynamite TNT And I will not fight TNT I'm a power load TNT Watch me explode What's up, Knowles fans? Welcome to another edition of True Knowles Talk. I'm Jeff Rains here. I hope everybody has had a great week. Is looking forward to a great weekend. Wait, what is that? Is that the fight song? That must mean we had a victory last night. And we did, as Milady Knowles snapped a five-game losing skid when they defeated the Tar Heels of North Carolina 61-51 last night. The Knowles were led by Bianca Jackson, who scored 19 points. She was 6 for 16 of field goals, and she hit a perfect 6 for 6 from free throws. The Knowles improved to 6 and 4 on the year and 5 and 4 in ACC play last night. Last night's victory moved the Lady Knowles to the number 5 team in the ACC. This was a great victory for the female Knowles. So, let's just enjoy it, guys. So let's still continue to keep Coach Sue, who took a year off to be with her mother as she was battling ovarian cancer. Let's keep her in our prayers and give a good go Knowles to Coach Sue. Now, moving on to this weekend, we got a pair of Seminoles in the Super Bowl. First off, we have a former Knowles great defensive tackle, Derek Nottie. This is his actually his uh, second consecutive Super Bowl he's played in and hoping to get two rings. Um, everybody remembers Nottie. He was a great defensive tackle at Florida State. But uh, he was asked recently about who his toughest coach was of all time. And Nottie's head coach, Andy Reid, is a future Hall of Famer. His coordinator, Steve Snagaloo is a former NFL head coach, and his position coach, Brendan Daly, is one of the best in the league. But when he was asked about who the toughest was and the hardest coach ever on him, he said, hands down, 
was Odell Hagens. He stated that Odell really pushed him to the brink in his rookie year to his senior year at Florida State, and it took him a couple years to really click and get things going. Specifically, Naughty said that the Seminoles legend refined his technique because that's the difference between making it to the NFL and sticking there for a long time. Naughty bought in. He blossomed into an all-ACC talent and a third-round pick, and now a win away from his second consecutive Super Bowl victory with the Kansas City Chiefs. Then on the flip side, on the Buccaneers, we have another well, you could say former Seminole. I would, he really, he was a great scout team, a great backup. He wasn't here long enough for us to really see the promise in the future of him. John Franklin III. John Franklin III uh, helped us out tremendously in his uh, freshman year, which was the uh, 2014 year. He played the scout team role for Marcus Mariota against our defense, which really, I guess, didn't help us much. But he transferred after then and bounced around. He was on the Netflix show Last Chance U and then went from there to Auburn where he played quarterback and then transferred from there and went, I want to say, FAU to finish his collegiate career. He's bounced around the NFL quite a bit with the Bucks, the Bears, and a couple other ones. But now he's back with the Bucks, has a chance to win a Super Bowl, so – so that's two former Knowles right now we have playing in the Super Bowl this weekend. So a shout-out to them and a go Knowles and best of luck. Now on, guys, let's, let's talk about the football team and the football program. This week we had National Signing Day. We had a uh, great pickup in four-star receiver Destin Hill out of New Orleans, Louisiana, Carr High School. I see him as a – Good slot-style receiver. Uh, he can stack the defensive backs. He can play a lot of uh, zone coverage. Has issues catching. You know, he's not a sure-handed catch, but he will get up there and try to get the contested ball, which is a good thing. But all in all, I think that's a good pickup to kind of end out the 2021 recruiting class. Everybody was hoping Taiwan Malone out of Virginia would come to us. Taiwan, he, uh, it all came down to baseball with him. He's a two-sport star. He plays baseball and football. Guys, it was either going to be him, him going to Ole Miss or Texas A&M. I really don't think he was going to come to us due to the fact I don't think Meat was offering him a baseball role on the team. I think all the other schools was offering it to him, so I think we was a distant third on that. But all in all, after looking at the class, I believe – Coach Norvell kind of hit a home run, and him and his assistants and his recruiters and his coaching staff hit a home run. Uh, talking about Coach Norvell, you know, there's some people saying, yeah, he's an elite recruiter. Always not. You know, there's a bunch of people on Facebook, on the fan sites, that want to sit here and criticize him on a, a daily or an hourly up to a minute every day about what he does wrong or what they think he does wrong. But if you look at him, he signed back-to-back number 22 in the country signing classes. So that's two top 25 signing classes back-to-back years. Yes, it's not top 10 or number one, 
but baby steps, people. You got to have baby steps. Um, Hawaii coach Todd Graham was asked about Coach Norvell, and he stated that Norvell is by far the best recruiter he's ever been around because of his diligence and his ability to evaluate players, his ability to build relationships based on a very high set of standards. He's also evaluating them on elite value to the system that they have, which is good because you've got to recruit into your system. And like Bobby Bowden said and told him, the only way to get out of where we're at and what we're doing, we got to recruit ourselves out of it. And that was Bobby's advice to Coach Norvell. Longtime assistant Odell compared Norvell's patience and detailed approach in recruiting and evaluating to, to Coach Bowden. He said he's uh, learning how to look at the kid and things like that, which is great because the similarities to Coach Bowden. He said that Norvell looks at the kid's character first first and foremost, over his talent. The talent is going to take you there. After that, he's going to evaluate your character and see if you're the type of guy that belongs wearing the garnet and gold. Then you have former Memphis wide receiver Antonio Gibson, who was a highly sought-after recruit and picked Norvell in Memphis over a lot of Power 5 schools. He stated, the man can talk. And Gibson also said that he feels like Norvell could sell a pen to a billionaire. So if that's the way that he recruits and he recruits at an elite level, the sky's the limit, guys, and we will be turning this thing around. And Like I see on Facebook, all these fans, oh, I don't trust him, it's just BS, he's just blowing smoke. Guys, I'm buying in. I'm, I bought in. In Norvell, we trust. Make Tallahassee great again. Whatever you want to put the slogan that's what we got to be, and that's where I think we're going to be. But looking at his recruits, I believe the only one that really hasn't put pen to paper right now showed up and signed on is, is the transfer uh, parchment, Andrew Parchment. My insider tells me that Parchment is waiting until May to graduate from Kansas before he makes – his way down to Tallahassee as a grad transfer. He's also told me his intentions is to fully be committed to the Knowles when he gets here. So that's going to be great things to come. And then looking at Norvell, I mean, that man's a beast. The man, the man's going to get us back to where we got to be. And in my eyes, I fully committed and fully behind Coach Norvell because if you're a true fan – You've got to be behind your staff. You've got to be behind your coaches and all their decisions and trust them that they're going to do the best thing for the program. So to all the naysayers on Facebook and all that, I'm just going to tell you, man, in Norvell I trust. Norvell is going to make Tallahassee great again. So just you got to buy in. You've got to buy in. You can't be a half bought in fan, or you might as well be a Kane or a Gator fan in my eyes. But still looking at National Signing Day, in the last month or so, you know, we added Hill, had several transfers, officially enrolled, and had some developments along players from last year and this year. So, you know, here's a quick little look at the each position and what FSU has for scholarship players in the early part of, you know, this month, February. We have four scholarship quarterbacks. 
That's something that Willie Taggart didn't have. And I don't believe we had whenever Norvell really took over. Um, you got McKenzie Milton, which is a grad transfer, that brings experience and leadership qualities to the quarterback room. Then you have Travis Jordan and Chuba Purdy and Tate Rodemaker. And the hope is Milton will sharpen that whole group just with competition and with his knowledge. So there's four quarterbacks on the scholarship right there. And out of them four, you got three that's sophomore and freshman still. In the running back room, you have Deontay Sheffield, which is a redshirt junior, Jay Sean Corbin, redshirt sophomore, DJ Williams, who's a sophomore, Lawrence Toa Philly, freshman still, Corey Wren, and Ja'Kai Douglas. That's six. And five of those six, like I said, are underclassmen. Uh, I think, I like I said before, I think Toa Philly, Williams, and Corbin is going to be a three-headed monster. You got seven tight ends on scholarship. I'm not going to name all them. We all know Cam McDonald, Jordan Wilson, which is a grad transfer that I believe he got hurt last year and wasn't able to play. He's coming back with that extra year of eligibility. Um, Jackson West, the freshman they signed, is a bright spot for them in that room and very underrated in my eyes and I believe in Norvell's eyes too. This kid, even before he signed, was on YouTube looking at videos of the schemes and the routes and all that and practicing them at his home. So that's something you want as a kid that's buying into a program as a freshman. You got 10 receivers on scholarship and the receiving course won't look a whole lot different than last year. Really the only receivers that are going to come back and from last year's team that we remember seeing on the field is Ontario Wilson, Keyshawn Hilton, and Portier. Portier didn't see much field at all last year. So, you know, that's a good thing, you know, because you bring in a bunch of young studs in Hill, McLean, Burrell that can vie for a starting job and could be good role players right now. You got your offensive line with the exception of Devontae Love-Taylor, who's a redshirt senior, and Babyon Johnson, who's a redshirt senior. The rest of the offensive line core are still freshmen, sophomores, except for the one junior, Brady Scott. That's just going to help us with huge development in the future because that's more time for this offensive line to be around each other, learn each other, and grow. You know, And also getting Love Taylor is a huge development for us. It's also huge with his experience and leadership. He was the main reason in my eyes, besides the coach, that the offensive line progressed the way they did because he was able to teach the younger offensive linemen what to look for in the game, not just off film. He was able to point it out in the game so they could learn in time, in real time, to what they were doing. Uh, your edge rushers on defense, you got a, quite a few freshmen on there, but you got four seniors and big-time contributors in my eyes. You got Kier Thomas, who is the transfer from South Carolina. 
Jamie John or Jermaine Johnson, the senior from Georgia. Those two transfers right there are going to be heavy hitters, along with you put them on the outside of your interior guys like Briggs, Jackson, Fabian Lovett, Robert Cooper. And we're gonna have we're gonna have a stout line. Hopefully, let's let's all take a deep breath, knock on wood, and hope that this line is what the line was supposed to be last year. Your linebacking core looks about the same as last year, which wasn't really a that bad of a weak spot to in my eyes. Uh, the weak spot for me was our safety and our defensive backs. And we bring back Renardo Green. We bring in sophomore Jamie Robinson. You got Brandon Gant. You got Travis J, who everybody was high on. I know Travis J was injured quite a bit last year and in and out of the games, couldn't play some. But when he was on the field, I think he has high potential. Returning punts and kickoffs, I think he was just one, maybe two tackles or blocks away from taking it to the house on any occasion. So with that being said, that, I mean, that's our numbers right now. We got a total of 91 scholarship players accounted for on this time on team right now. Some attrition will likely occur throughout the course of the offseason, but as long as there isn't like a mass exodus like it was with the Willie Taggart era players and the Jimbo, you know, we should have around 85 players on the sideline next year. And also, with just signing one player on National Signing Day the other day, that still leaves, if calculations are right, I think we have one to maybe two scholarships still available for transfers that could come in. And there's a player from Clemson, Caleb Boating. He's an offensive lineman that just went in the transfer portal. Uh, my sources are telling me that we're going after him strong right now, trying to get him down to Tallahassee. Uh, he's a 6'3", 300-pound lineman out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Didn't see much playing time in Clemson because they're such – deep offensive line core. But coming from Clemson and knowing how Dabo and them train, recruit, and all that, this would be a huge pickup for the Knowles that would just bolster the offensive line for the years to come in the future also. Now on to a new segment I've brought on to True Knowles Talk. I've sent out a lot of polls here lately on Facebook on the fan sites asking y'all to vote on who's the greatest to wear the garnet and gold and this week's edition i asked the fans to poll and vote on who the greatest quarterback was to wear the garnet and gold and i gave three three choices i gave charlie ward chris winky and Jameis winston now granted there was some great Names also added by fans like the Rooster. Some people said Chris Ricks, which he was, you know, what they say was the Gator killer. He couldn't beat Miami, but Lord forbid we play the Gators. He, he, he was able to take them down. Um, some people put Xavier Lee. I don't know what them people were smoking. Some people put James Blackman. His heart and everything, yeah, I would say he's a great and old, but he wasn't the all-time greatest. But I also put on there, 
a link that you could call in and leave a message on why you thought your choice was the greatest. And we had Mitch was our lone call in for this week. And I'm going to let Mitch tell you what uh, he thinks and who he thinks was the greatest quarterback to where the Garnet and Gold was. So, Mitch, uh, welcome to the show. My name is Mitch. And there's some candidates out there. Uh, you got Winky, you got Ward, you got Winston. The three W's, right? Heisman winners. I got to go with Winston, though, because this kid did it from the start. I mean, he was 18, turning 19. That's just a lot. And the way he handled it and probably put forth the greatest season in college football history from outscoring opponents, the margin of victory, and just the way he did what he did as a freshman was just something incredible. You can't go wrong with anybody you pick, but I just think what he did in that that early in his career, in that short of time, just uh, was amazing. So I'll go with Winston. Thanks, Mitch, for your thoughts and your opinion on that one. We're going to look at a few of the Knowles right now. We're going to start off with Chris Winkie, the 19... 19- 99 Heisman Trophy winner. Winky won the Knowles' second Heisman while leading the Knowles to a berth in the BCS title game that year. He's also, the, I want to say he's the oldest player to ever win the Heisman. I mean, he was 28 years old when he won the Heisman. That's At that time, was older than most starting quarterbacks in the NFL, um, which is crazy, right? Uh, Winky was born and raised in St. Paul, Minnesota. He attended uh, Creighton-Durham High School and was a three-sport star. He was first baseman on the baseball team, star quarterback on the football team, and he also was the captain of the ice hockey team. Now, you're talking about being tough right there. That actually boded well for him. As a 1989 senior, he was the USA Today first-team All-American selection in Minnesota. Uh, he was recruited over, he was recruited by over 70 D1 schools, including Alabama, Arizona, Arizona State, Illinois, Minnesota, Miami, Washington, Wisconsin, but ultimately signed with the Knowles, committed to play quarterback for us. He was actually part of the recruiting class that included Charlie Ward. So that's some big names for that year. But he, he got put on hold, if, if nobody knows. He took some time off. You know, he was a 6'5", 230-pound player, but Winky was drafted in the second round of the 1990 Major League Baseball draft. He was the 62nd overall player and drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays. After spending four days in August 1990 on the campus at FSU, he signed the contract to play with the Blue Jays and promised uh, Coach Bowden that if he wanted to, he'd come back. And Coach Bowden promised him also in back that there would be a scholarship offer waiting for him if he had ever wished to return. Uh, Winky spent several years in the minors before returning to the Knowles in 97 at the age of 25. After serving as a backup 
quarterback as freshman. He took over the starting job in 98 and passed for 2,017 yards and 17 touchdowns as he led the Knowles to a 9-1 record and number two national ranking before injuring his neck, which knocked him out of the rest of the season. And ultimately the uh, national championship game that year where we lost to Tennessee. He came back as a junior and led FSU to the to a wire-to-wire finish. That means you started first place, you ended first place as the number one team accumulating a win in a BCS national championship over the Virginia Tech Hokies and Michael Vick. And we all we all remember how dominant Michael Vick was. Uh, he threw that year for over 3,000 yards and uh, 25 touchdowns. And as a senior in 2000, Winky led the nation in passing with 4,167 yards. And that was the year he won the Heisman Trophy, as well as the Davey O'Brien and Johnny Unitas. He also led the Seminoles to an Orange Bowl uh, for their third national championship game in the many years. But, you know, we were defeated. We, we lost 13-2, to which was a utter disappointment for the team we had. But we, we lost it to Bob Stoops and the Oklahoma Sooners that year. Uh, Winky finished his uh, Florida State career with a 32-3 and record and held numerous FSU records, including most passing yards in a career, most touchdown passes in a career. In 20, 2001, Winky became the seventh Seminole and second quarterback to have his jersey retired. He also graduated with a degree in sports management as, and was two-time ACC All-Academic Team. He was later drafted in the fourth round by the Carolina Panthers. He bounced around throughout the league, and then ultimately now he, is, he was a quarterback coach for University of Tennessee. He's also been the quarterback coach for the St. Louis Rams. So that's just a quick look at Chris Winkie, and we're going to dive into the to another knoll on the list. Old famous Jameis. You know, not much we can't say about old Jameis Winston. We all lived it. Uh, he was from Bessemer, Alabama. He attended Huey Town High. I want to say that's the same high school that Bo Jackson went to. I'm, don't quote me on it. I'm not 100% sure, but I want to say that's right. Um. In his red shirt freshman year, Jameis threw for 3,820 yards and 38 touchdowns, becoming the first freshman to win the Heisman and lead his team to the national championship in the same season. Jameis edged out big names like Derrick Henry and was also the youngest to win the Heisman when he captured the 79th award at the age of 19. This mark has since been surpassed by Lamar Jackson, who was five days younger than him. But he became the third knoll to win the Heisman following Charlie Ward and Chris Winkie. Um, during his recruitment, he was considered among the best quarterback recruits in the nation and earned the Gatorade Player of the Year recognition for the state of Alabama. He led his uh, high school team in Hueytown to the state championship during his junior year, committed to Florida State in 2012, and the Texas Rangers selected him in the 15th round of the MLB draft right out of high school. 
the Rangers actually offered to let him continue to play at Florida State on the football team while working out with their baseball organization. But Winston decided not to sign with the Rangers. After redshirting his first season, Winston won the starting job for the Seminoles and promptly led the team to the undefeated campaign that we all remember, cherish, and love to talk about and love to look back on. And becoming the first redshirt freshman to win both of them at the same time. Uh, he only threw for 10 interceptions prior to winning that uh, Heisman. His pass efficiency rate was 190.04 at the time of the ceremony, was the second best among Heisman winners. Jameis was a two-sport star. I don't know if y'all remember, but uh, he was also an outfielder for Mike Martin and the baseball team, and he also was the closer that year. Um, Jameis finished his career with a 26-1 and record as a starter, throwing for over 7,900 yards and 65 touchdowns. Uh, he was also the number one pick by the Bucks in 2014. So, I mean, that, that, that's a good one there. You know, those, those two candidates were really good choices. But after all the votes were totaled on three different fan sites, this particular quarterback had over, I want to say, 1,500 votes just for him. And this is a quarterback that kind of started it all. That is the reason, in my eyes, for the popularity of the mobile quarterback. Him and Bobby Bowden introduced what they called the fast break offense back in the day. And he led Florida State to the first one, baby. And that's Charlie Ward. Charlie Ward won the, the vote this week for the greatest knoll to wear the garnet and gold in the quarterback position. Uh, he is one of the most decorated uh, players in college history. He won every award eligible for a quarterback in that 1993 campaign, the year we won the national championship. Uh, he led the Seminoles to an 11-1 record that year. Uh, and he also, uh, people don't really remember, or some do, if you're true and old, you do, but some fans may have forgot. Charlie was also a staple of the basketball team. He uh, was a spark plug on three Seminole NCAA tournament teams. Charlie was the only... Heisman winner to ever play in the NBA. He was also a native of Thomasville, Georgia, where he was a highly sought-after recruit. And one of the main things about Charlie was his parents was kind of scared that he wouldn't be able to have a shot to play quarterback in college. But Bobby Bowden assured them that he, he was recruiting him for a quarterback position and that He's seen bright things in Charlie, and Charlie would be a quarterback in college. Charlie started his college football career as the punter before redshirting in the 1990 season, I want to say. I want to say 89 he was the punter, 90 he was redshirted, and then he was a quarterback after that. Um, so that's, that's a little bit more about him. Uh, during that season – Ward's margin of victory was a massive 1,622 points, 
second at the time to only O.J. Simpson's 1,750 points to win the 1968 Heisman. He also won the Davy O'Brien, the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award and was named Walter Camp Player of the Year and Toyota Leader of the Year. He is the only, the second college football player ever to win the Sullivan Award, which is given annually to the nation's top amateur athlete. After winning the Heisman Award, guided the Seminoles to a 18-16 victory over Nebraska, securing the first national championship at the Orange Bowl that year. Uh, on the basketball court, though, Ward pushed the Seminoles to the brink of the 1993 Final Four, falling one game shy. He also started on FSU's Sweet 16 team in 92. He hit the game-winning shot in its Metro Conference Tournament Championship game over Louisville in 91. Ward long-held Seminole basketball records for steals in a game as nine and a career as 236 and ranked sixth all-time in assists with 396. Ward, he had a different career path. He didn't jump to the NFL. He chose the NBA instead and was drafted in 94 by the New York Knicks with the 26th overall pick. He had a 12-year career playing with the Spurs, the Rockets. Most people remember the Knicks. But as you, the fans, have voted, Charlie Ward, by vote, is the greatest quarterback ever to wear the garnet and gold. Now, like I said, I'm going to add another poll this coming up week as the greatest running back to wear the garnet and gold. And I've got a few selections that I'm going to put on there, just to name a few. The choices next week are going to be Dalvin Cook, Warwick Dunn, Cam Akers, Amp Lee, and Greg Jones as the greatest running backs to wear the garnet and gold. I want you, the fans, and I kind of encourage y'all to leave your comments. And also, I'll be putting a link out also to where you can call in and give me your opinion on it. And that would be greatly appreciated. Um, also going to hopefully be adding a co-host here soon. Got to get things worked out with him. I'll introduce him when the time's right. Possibly a second co-host also. So it'll be a three-man squad here. But um, with that being said, I hope all y'all have a great weekend. And go Knowles. I'm going to let Gene take it away.